you do your thing. Your housekeeping. Welcome to another episode of uh, Photography Chat. We're uh, season three, episode 43, and uh, we've got uh, Juan Martinez of Beers and Cameras with us here. And al- already someone is asking, what does the B and C stand for? <laughs> what was that? Sorry, you cut out for a second. Uh, someone was asking, what does the B and C stand for? What did they ask? Oh, B and C stand for? Yeah. Uh, beers and cameras, Phil. Come on, you know this. <laughs> uh, do you want to take a moment to introduce uh, yourself to everyone here? Yeah, yeah. So, my name is Paul Martinez. I'm one of the founders of Beers and Cameras. Um, I say one of the founders because uh, Pachella Francisco, oh, my buddy, he also started Beers and Cameras with me. Okay. Um, he's kind of like the the quiet one. I'm pretty quiet too, but yeah. So I'm here at a brewery, by the way, and I, I kind of warned you about this, Merlin. Yeah, so you, you can hear me okay. Yeah, I can hear you okay. Um, your connection's a little bit choppy, but um, you know, it, I can still hear you. It's just your video is is kind of uh, potato quality, but that's okay. I switch it over to. I'm on their Wi-Fi, so the brewery has a Wi-Fi. Okay. And and I thought that would be better, but I can maybe jump off of it. But let me know if, it, if it's still too choppy. I'll get off. Uh, your your audio is good. That's all that matters. Okay. Cool. 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 I got a, a question for you, actually. Absolutely. So who, who did your your intro song? Uh, the intro song is done by a uh, local hip hop artist uh, named Mocha Only. Um, okay. he's been in a bunch of like Canadian, uh, rap groups, but, uh, the one that, uh, he probably is most known for is, uh, Swollen yeah. Members. Okay. I like it. And I, I, I just wanted to ask you, I don't know if anybody's asked you before, but. Yeah, I just, for season three, I decided to spend a bunch of money on this thing that makes me no money. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of those things was paying for intro and outro music. Yeah, that's like uh, film photography in general, right? You spend a ton of money, and uh, the ROI is not not that great typically. Yeah, and, and speaking about spending a ton of money, uh, I understand you just came back from Germany for the Leica M6 launch. I did, yeah. That was um quite special time. I, I think I should preface this with I actually was invited, so I did have help getting there, if you will. Um, from Leica, so it wasn't all out of my pocket, luckily, um, because that would be very expensive indeed. That's Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. so that's a little bit perspective, but yeah, it was amazing. Um, uh, Big Head Taco, uh, you know, Takakeo, of course. Of course, yeah. Yeah, Uh, him and I got to go. We went last year, so we were really, 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 like, really humbled that we got to go again. We were like, okay, you really want us to come again? And it worked out, and um, we got to go again and meet all new, mostly all new folks, 
Jason Stock, you know, Stockeasy was there, and some other ones were were there last year. But it's incredible. Um, I definitely want to bring the BNC community to to Wetzler one day, and uh, there's an opportunity for that too. So oh, that's cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I saw the good homie Ray Barbie was there, which is, is cool was, because he shoots a like M6 religiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've, you've interviewed him, hung out with him, you know him well. Um, he was there. He is so, well, I don't need to tell you how nice he is. He's yeah. chill. Yeah. Easily one of the cool. like nicest dudes I've ever met. Like, so such a nice guy. 100%. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I used to skate, so I used to watch him in videos and whatnot. And, so seeing, you know, sometimes when you meet your heroes, you're kind of disappointed. But I was like, nah, he's rad. Like, he's so cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know? He's just like one of those cats that gets finer with age. Yeah, yeah. Laid back and just like never, you know, he's no, yeah, he's just so, so cool. So it was cool to hang out with him and hang out with uh, a lot of people. Um, I, like so many people. Uh, kind of pinched myself really that I was even there, but uh, it was such a good opportunity, and um, I'm just going through all the files. I took a lot of film in digital. I actually got what's weird. I got all my film back already, uh, and I'm still going through my digital photos for my trip. So that's not weird though, because like that. That's why I started shooting film in the first place. Was yeah. I was able to turn around my film faster than I can do digital work because I hate editing. And it's like when when you do digital, you shoot so much more. True, 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 true. Yeah, uh, I I think you're, it, but it's not often that I'm able to turn around like film photos quicker than than digital because I'm pretty fast, like a pretty you know, I want to say fastidious, but I don't even know if that's the correct term. Um, and my wife lets me like you know sit on the computer and get my stuff done, and I'm still not done. Like I just like take too many photos. I think mm. that happens. And the yeah, the director might really knocked out of the park and got my film back and my, my scans back. And, um, yeah, really happy with those. And, um, yeah, that, that trip to Leica, though, it, I don't think it's what people expect. Really. No, I, I, know? I don't think so either. Like, yeah, it, like, cause I, I've just seen what Taco has, has like shared from like last year and like some of the snippets from this year. And it just, it looks incredible. Yeah, I think. I think one of my biggest takeaways and something that I had mentioned to Karan um, from like a, um, was you feel kind of elevated there. Mm. If that makes any sense. You, you're surrounded by such amazing people and um, the energy and like everybody's like, I don't want to sound like hippie, but you're like vibrating at a certain frequency that everybody's like really just, just happy to be there. You know, we're all about the, uh, the brand and we all respect like it too. So it kind of, we're all, just on this path together I and mean, you feel elevated you feel better i felt better than i i really am you know what i mean like i felt like i can do this like i, I don't know i can create i can document um it, it was very cool and they don't talk about sex there you know okay so even though they released like the m6 last year they released uh i think it was a QT reporter you don't hear about it when they talk about photography and go on the tours and stuff, they don't talk about what camera takes the photos. When they talk about, to the, you know, they, they discuss the Lobo Award winners, the Leica Oscar Barnack Award winners. They don't discuss what they shot it on. You know, it's like truly about photography. And I think 
they don't get enough credit for that. Like if you actually experience their event, it's not about an expensive camera. It's not about, you know, pushing like, I don't know, try to get you to buy the FOQS or something like that. It's not, it's about photography. Not to say that the SL2S is not a fantastic camera. And if you have the money and the means and you want to get into vlogging and take great pictures, the Leica SL2S is a fantastic camera to do that with. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it is. We actually have one right here on this cool strap. It's my my favorite SL camera for sure over the SL2. But um, but it's just, I've been to other, you know, I've been to a lot, not like Take or anything, but I've been to a few events and it's way more about like the specs and like the, the new, the new camera. And there it's like, it's not, it's about photography and documenting and like the history and, um, what inspires you to shoot and, um, fostering the community there. So it's, I mean, if anybody can go to, you know, Life Park, Westlar, I definitely recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. if you could get on a tour, definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, definitely very cool. So what was your favorite part out of the whole thing? My favorite part, honestly, I like to meet new people. And I think one of my favorite parts was just being surprised by who's there and meeting them and getting to have coffee with them in a bunch of just casual moments of like, like Ray, you know, that's like my favorite. That's my favorite part really. It's like being immersed, walking around the grounds, which are vast, um, at this particular event, we had like a, a Japanese, you know, group. We had I was part of the USA group, um, and running into the different groups and like talking and like seeing what they're shooting and and just discussing. And everybody's got a smile on their face. Um, and the dinners are really fun, but it's like this really candid. It's all the stuff that's not like pushing the brand on you or pushing specs on you. It's just like the, the community aspect. For sure. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was uh, the most unexpected thing that you took away from your your trip over there? The most unexpected thing? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Like, what surprised me the most? Well, so I actually knew that M6 was coming, so that wasn't quite so surprising. Um, But... I don't know. That, it's surprising that Leica's making an F6 again. And not to, like, talk about that necessarily, um, unless you want to, but um, that was surprising. That's a good question. I, I don't think I was... I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, well, actually, what was surprising was, was who was invited from the USA group that I got to meet in person. I, I didn't know who was coming. So, that was surprising. So like which, which, sorry, which, which people? Uh, so Stefan Venasco came and P. Halverson. So folks that I follow that I actually had no clue were going to be there. So finally, like, you know, just from like a profile picture, you'd be like, wait, that's, that's you. Like, I follow you, you know, like, like I know you. And then seeing them in person and, and, and just um, getting to hang out with them was, was pretty surprising, I guess. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, next time we got to get you there. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I, I got to buy a Leica first. Um, otherwise, well, I'll, I'll just be a poser. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is, though, they actually do the, Oscar, the Leica Oscar Barnick Award. 
and you don't, and you win up to like 80,000 euro and you don't have to shoot it. You don't have to win it with a Leica either. So, oh shit. Yeah. That's like a little, I don't think they market that as well as they could. Well, cause they but, probably uh, don't want a bunch of people without like his <laughs> submitted. <sure. laughs> Maybe, but like you're you letting know, the cat like, out of the bag. <laughs> like last year's winner, I, I actually had to ask him like, Hey, by the way, because you didn't discuss it at all during your speech or any of the talks, like what did you shoot that on? What did you shoot your project on? It was a Q2. Um, but again, that's like what is surprising. I think maybe okay. Sorry, if I can go back to your to your question before, what's the most surprising thing? Which I'm not. I wasn't so surprised this time around because I went last time. But what was initially surprising about this like a trip or the like a trip is that they don't talk about the gear. I think that's like surprising. You go, you know, it's a camera manufacturer that isn't like jamming, you know, their products down your throat mm-hmm. in the typical way that you might expect them to. Um, that's pretty cool yeah 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 i I definitely i've never been to germany before so it's on like the checklist of uh places to go so i think take is still over there right now for like a few more days a few more days maybe maybe less than a week probably yeah it's beautiful i mean it's like uh I had only been there last year, and then I went this year. And, um, I went to Berlin last year, and then I went to Munich. And uh, completely different vibe and town. And it definitely, I like Europe. Like, taking trains to get anywhere you want to go. We went. We took a train to Salzburg, and it was like a two-hour train ride. Um, I live in San Diego, so the nearest country I can visit is Mexico, mm-hmm. right? But like, we're we're just not used to that, like. You know, when you live in Vancouver, I guess you could take. A, is there a train to Seattle? Oh yeah, there, there's a, there's an Amtrak. Like I could take it okay. all the way to Los Angeles if I really wanted to punish myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but I think that that's very cool about Europe. You can take a train to Paris. You can take a train to Copenhagen. You can take a train to like anywhere you want to go. So. Yeah, it, they they have a bit of like they they have a little bit of an extra. Um, bonus with that though is because their countries are a lot smaller like you, know, you look at the land mass that um that we've got here in canada in the u.s and like it's it's hard to have a, a train system that's palatable for people because it's like you know you'd have to spend a considerable chunk of time on on the train to to get across right. canada or the u.s i mean i've always wanted to check it out like um yeah one day i'll try to get track <laughs> yeah, I've actually never taken. Uh, but yeah, I've never taken the Amtrak here. Um, I I've only taken the trolley here in San Diego like once when I was in elementary school. Um, but it's just so normal and you know so efficient in Europe. You take you know trains and, and subways and stuff. So, I don't know. Antonio Rosario has a question. Is it acceptable to say that acquiring slash inquiring different film gear is necessary to refine your shooting process? What feels best to you and which gear gives you results you desire, etc.? What do you think of that? Um, I think you'll agree with this, and I think most people would, that a different gear, like an SLR versus a rangefinder, um, forces you to shoot differently, mm-hmm. you know. Um, oh, yeah. And I think 
that shapes how you, you know, how you compose your image and how you approach a situation. Um, and having a camera with like autofocus or strictly manual focus definitely changes. You gotta, you're aware of it, so you're like, oh, I gotta be ready. I gotta like anticipate more with autofocus. You're still doing the same, but you're kind of letting the camera take take over, take that part over. Um, shooting at slide versus rangefinder is completely different. Shooting through a Hasselblad with the, you know, the not parallax corrected image on your or your screen versus like one that is parallax corrected is how you shoot too. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, if I if I compare it to like driving a car, it's like driving stick and then driving an automatic and driving an SUV and then driving like a sports car on a track and then driving a sports car in traffic. Like it's just it's all different, right? It's like different ways to get from point A to B, but it, it totally changes your experience along the way. Yeah. I, I think ultimately it just it depends on what you want to be shooting and um, that'll kind of dictate what kind of camera you might want to look at. Like if you're going to do a bunch of street photography, then an eight by twin, eight by 10 or 11 by 14 is probably not like the move for that. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it could give you a cool like look or whatever, but you, you know, you might want to look at like a, a rangefinder, new zone focus or like, you know, nice autofocus camera so you can like, you know, get that stuff. Um, it all depends. And like budget and stuff too. Like, you know, when pe- whenever people ask me what the best camera is, I mostly just say, well, how much money do you have? Just spend that on the camera and see what you get. And you don't have to buy the most expensive camera. Like, save some money for film because, you know, that's where all your money's going to go. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't matter what camera you shot on, right? Like, what film you shot, that's going to that's gonna really dictate the way your film looks or your image looks and then um, whether it's exposed properly and then the lens that you shot it on. That's it, really. Um, yeah. Other than that, you can't tell the difference. If it's shot on M3, M6, M7, the new M6 versus the old M6, like all that stuff is up the window. A Canonet. Uh, um, and then the four, of course, 120 would change the way it looks. But then again, that's your film, right? So that makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And also, there's nothing wrong with shooting digital. You know, yeah, I I still shoot a ton of digital, um, mostly when I don't really care about it. <laughs> but where is it here? Someone said hot take: spent more money on lenses and books slash exhibition visits than cameras. That's that's a way to go with it, though, honestly, because like the lens is where the magic is. Like, well. Yeah, because yeah. like you can you can go out and buy the brand new M6 and be like, oh my god, I don't have any money left to buy lenses, and then you just go buy some like fucking rando lenses off of uh, Amazon to slam on your M6 because you're broke. You know, you're gonna get potato yeah. pictures out of your new fancy M6. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you also don't have to buy like lenses. I mean, uh, no, you don't have to. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely Boitlander, the new Boitlander stuff's amazing, and, and the old Boitlander stuff's amazing, and even the new Leica stuff is, they they elevate the the character of, like, the new um, 35 Simulux, right? The, mm-hmm. the steel steel rim. It's soft, wide open, it's ghosty. Other manufacturers, like, if a TT artisan made that lens, they'd be like, 
and you review that lens, you're like, oh gosh, it's soft and ghosty wide open. And it's almost like a con, but because Leica says it, it's like a pro. <laughs> it's really the way you look at it. And with, you know, with like what you're trying to shoot, right? They use that for more like images that are capturing like moments and feel versus like critical IQ perfection, you know, then you, uh, you would probably shoot medium format and, uh, or you would shoot, you know, you could argue you could shoot digital and you could like really tweak it and make it perfect the way you want, low, you know, with no grand stuff. So, yeah, it's a huge part of, uh, of that for sure. I like this comment. It says, quote, real king of bokeh. Sounds like a new COVID variant, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's true, though. That particular lens, though, I did get to play with it at Wetzlar, and um, it's kind of like a 35 Nostalux to me. Mm. So to me, like, well, really, the images I got, I was like, wow, okay. Um, but then again, I had a 50 Noctilux and um, an F1, the version 4, and actually sold it kind of by accident because it was up on our marketplace and it, somebody bought it. And I wasn't expecting it. I was like, oh, holy shit, somebody gave me what I wanted for it. But then it was like kind of a heartbreak. They let it go and I package it up and send it off. But when I actually did comparisons with like more modern lenses, like you get such better um, IQ out of them. And um, so this new 35 gives the, the vibes of like a Noctilux lens, right? It's not like super, super sharp, but it's sharp enough. And it, it, the fall off is amazing and it's creamy background. So to me, it's like a Noctilux 35. That's cool. Yeah, really cool lens. And it's really compact and built really well. Um, I'm not sold 100% on that infinity lock on it which a lot of us discovered when we we're playing with it. We're like, what the hell? Why doesn't it work? And we didn't realize there was like an infinity lock on it. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you put an infinity, it locks out. You got to like press on it to move it over. Like uh, some of the older ones. Weird. And probably like the original, but I didn't, I didn't actually have the original there that compared to. Yeah. I've never owned a Leica lens, but I do have a Voigtlander lens for a Leica camera because I was borrowing I was borrowing a friend's M3 for like a year, and I got like a little sketched out of like, well, what if I because he had a, a Summicron on it, and I'm like, well, what if I fuck up the Summicron? Like, you know, I don't want to replace it, so um, I ended up buying a Voigtlander uh, 50 mil 1.1 Noctilux, and that thing was really cool. 1.1? Yeah. Okay. It's a huge chunk Knocked of glass. Nocton, right? Yeah, Nocton, yeah. Because you said Nocton. Sorry, so like, I, you were talking about Noctilux. And, yeah, it was the Nocton. <laughs> and the thing's huge. Like, it's it's like a yeah. beefy hunk of glass and metal, but it takes yeah. cool photos. Yeah, that, that's actually the first years in camera's lens. So it was, it was that lens with a Sony A7S camera. Oh, wow. That a lot, like if you scroll down the 4,000 and some odd photos we have, 5,000 photos we have, which is a lot, um, which I've actually contemplated like going back and deleting a lot of stuff. I don't know. I can ask you what you feel about that. But if you scroll back years ago, Sony 7S, Noctown F1.1, yeah. So I've got like almost 8,000 photos. And a few years back when I was around four or five, I thought about cleaning it up. And then. It, it just takes a lot of time to scroll through and go through it. And I was just kind of like, fuck it. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care. Cause it's like an archeological dig because like 
for this account, it started as my personal account like 12 years ago. Like it was six months after Instagram launched, I got an Instagram account. So like if you scroll all the way back, it's like photos of my dogs and like my ex-wife and like food and travel. And then it kind of progressed into what it is now. And uh, yeah, I was just like, whatever. I don't have the effort or time or care to curate it. So um, I just leave it alone. That's a good point. I mean, it would take a lot of work to delete three thousand photos to make it like two thousand, which is still like a lot. Um, and I, I like seeing like this random like like on an old photo, you know, because somebody's like looking to a hashtag for Sony A7S or something like that, or a Nocton thirty five one point four, um, and you know them liking an image from like years ago. Well, and I also kind of like it too because it lends a little bit of permanence in, in the world that we live in now that is absolutely temporary all the time. Like people are always deleting and curating and changing things to like fit whatever they're feeling. And it doesn't leave much for like any history or like, you know, past. So I kind of like that idea too. Like it's, it's neat. I timed it one time. I think when I was around 6,000, posts it takes like five minutes of like constant scrolling to get to the bottom of the feed oh no way yeah five like five minutes solid of just that that, that like it's oh, that, that, <laughs> that's crazy. a lot five, five minutes in modern times is like a lifetime. it five felt like an eternity minutes. i was like is my finger gonna fucking fall off like <laughs> you know callous on it yeah. um but you're right that's a good point i like i like that i like that permanence and that kind of um, history, this provenance to this account, right? You can go back and see what they used to do. You can see the community that used to come years ago and, and people that have moved away and aren't showing up anymore. And if you really did a dig, one thing that I do, and, and it's probably stupid of me, but like I don't repost the image, image twice. Okay. So, which is, it kind of bites me in the ass because sometimes that, like an image would be better served like a St. Patrick's Day, but I used it like on a non-St. Patrick's Day. You know what I mean? And I'm like, but no, I already used it. So I don't use it again. But if you, we have 5,000 or whatever photos we have, they're all pretty much unique. Like if you go back, I, I think I even did like a, a little competition. I'm like if you can find a, like a repetition of a photo, you get a free t-shirt or a hat. And I think one person found something that was pretty close to repetition. Um, but yeah. I think that's kind of cool too. That is cool. I've, uh, I've duplicated a few by accident. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was just something. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. So I, I'm kind of curious, like how did you get started with, with beers and cameras? Like where, where did that get birthed at? So, um, geez, going back. Um, yeah. So I think, it was just me. I, I met up with Pachola Francisco, who's one of the founders, and I bought a lens off of him. We met up at a Starbucks. And then, like a weirdo, I kept it in you know, Craigslist. I, I bought a lens off of him or something. And then, I, you know, I met him at a Starbucks, and we started talking about, like, I think Fuji lenses and stuff. And then I, I, after we, like, went our separate ways, I kept messaging him, like, hey, like, I love this lens, or, like, here's a sample of what I took with it. And I kind of, like, developed that, and we just talked back and forth. And then um, we meet up at Starbucks, to be honest with you, randomly. Um, and then I bought a house in North Park, San Diego. 
kind of like a hipster area. And we had at that point, a couple of friends, um, kind of meeting up with us. It wasn't just me and Pacholo. And then one of them was into beer. So we moved it to beer and breweries. And it made sense because honestly, like we're in the hipster kind of like brewery area, San Diego. And then I made an Instagram post or Instagram account for it. And I actually did it reverse. Like we were going to, we were calling it cameras and beer, but when I, like I did it. I did it beers and cameras by kind of accident to match the, the email account that I had made because I, I flipped it around by accident. But anyway, so we did, I created the Instagram account and then I text everybody that had come to that meetup and I'm like, Hey, share your photos on here. Here's the login information like here. And nobody did. And then, so I think Pachella was like, you go ahead and post, like, you know, I'll help you find it. But like, if, if you're, you know, just whatever, I don't want to post. Um, so I kind of just took it. I took, I just kept going with it and I changed the password on it. And then, um, yeah, that's it. And then we had, a, I kind of advertised that like photos from our last meetup on there. And then more people came and I invited people to the next one. And then just kind of went from there. But, um, I mean, overall, frankly, I think people meet up at breweries and coffee shops all the time. So it's not like we invented something at all. Mm. Um, I think we were very consistent with it, which is what made it different for San Diego. And then when we got other chapters, they were more consistent. And then, of course, COVID hit. Yeah. And then it threw like, you know, we're, we're like an online forum, but in person type of thing, right? So we're not online strictly we're like in person and take that aspect away from it and what are you left with you know so COVID kind of sucked for everybody but it kind of sucked for me too well yeah because sure. we, we were going to work on a Toronto chapter and then COVID yep. like happened like right when all of that shit was going down and so yeah it went from so being like, like oh we're going to be in a venue to now it's got to be a fucking zoom call and, uh, right. And it just doesn't, uh, it was never the intent for it to be zoom. It was never intent for it to be not in person. Yeah. And I get, I think everybody that comes, they get a lot out of like bringing a physical camera, you know, like when you hang out with your friends and meeting up with them and like discussing it and swapping lenses and like actually physically interacting with the gear and the people and physically drinking a beer, not at home, but like a fresh one from a brewery, mm-hmm. way different vibe. Um, yeah, so it doesn't translate well to Zoom, I think. And, uh, Photo Tango wonders, do you monetize beers and cameras? No, I mean, no, I wish like, yeah, some, some people actually think this is my, like my only job somehow. Um, it's not like I work for the government as a program manager, like completely different what I do Monday through Friday is not at all what I do on my phone. Like this passion project, I think you would describe it as. Yeah. Makes sense. And street documents wants to know when is the next event? Um, I don't know what city I think I'm trying to look at what, yeah, San Diego probably. Um, that's a good, yeah. So we used to do every two weeks rain or shine in San Diego. Like if I called in sick for work, I'm getting bit by mosquitoes, by the way. So I'm like scratching. <laughs> um, if I call in sick for work, I'd show up at that BNC that night and get everybody sick, right? <laughs> no, I'd show up. Like, you know, you're too sick for work, but you're not too sick to hang out with your, your friends, right? Yeah. Um, so it's rain or shine every two weeks. Then COVID hit in San Diego and then that changed. 
in LA, they, they were on like a pattern of like three to four weeks, every three to four weeks or so. Um, and different chapters had different meetup schedules. Probably like once a month was pretty average. Um, for San Diego, frankly, coming from COVID where we didn't meet up at all. And like every Thursday, I'm a, I have a, I'm a dad. I've got like three kids and like every Thursday I'm at home with my family. Part of it was kind of like refreshing, like, wow, okay. You know, cause it takes a lot of work to meet up. It takes a lot of work to plan events. So we're trying to bring that back. And I think we're trying to get it on a, like a three week schedule every three weeks. And, and we're hoping to make every event a little bit more robust. Like it's not just meeting up at a brewery, but it's meeting up at a brewery and a print swap, meeting up at a brewery. And we have like new products to share, meeting up at a brewery or bar. And we have like a local camera store bringing like gear or something, um, which takes more planning. But I, I think that, by not having it so often, I can better plan the event. Um, and my hope is to actually before 2023 starts, so before January, and definitely sometime this month, is to plan out the whole year of Beers and Cameras events in San Diego for the whole year. And then those are the dates you can count on, and then we'll advertise like added dates and added events on top of that. Oh, I think that's cool. Yeah, LA did that when they started. Adam Otke did a really good job the first year, first year or two of like planning way ahead and then sticking to that. And I think that really helped them go from the community they started with to the community they have now in LA. It's really grown quite a bit and pretty. I, I, I admire that community there. Um, so I think consistency, going back to that, consistency makes a difference. Consistency you know? is definitely good when you're trying to build something. Um, right. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? I I did have a question. Um, there's yeah. like a sort of like a looming air around uh, some of the some of the chapters that uh, beers and cameras is kind of like a a focused group of of just like you know dudes that own like Leicas and X pans. Leicas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where do you think Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. Uh, no idea. Um, the deep part. I mean, if I look at our, look at our, our insight, you know, you look at your account and like who follows you and stuff. It's mostly men, you know, for sure. Um, we do get women that come out. I always admire when women come out. Um, we had that meetup in Berlin last year and with Safe Life Berlin and Take and Samuel and Taro and, and Jason was there and we had well over a hundred people and it was like half and half in Berlin but for them, it's like a new thing and they were really like eager to meet up in person after COVID and stuff. So it brought out like everybody. Um, I, I wish we had more women that come out at the same time. I kind of understood perhaps I can kind of justify why they wouldn't generally speaking, if I'm going to be like stereotyping women and stereotyping men. Um, but the fact that we have Leicas and that we have Hasselblad X cans and stuff is just, um, it's a, it's a group of, of folks. We have a lot of, you know, professional people that have expendable money and they buy cool shit. I don't know how to say it. Um, and I, I happened to during COVID post a lot of my own stuff on social media cause I didn't have, we weren't meeting up. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the gears and stuff that I posted was just my own collection of stuff. And it happens to be a lot of like stuff cause I'm a like a fan. Um, it doesn't mean I only like Leica, but that's just kind of what I use, right? So that's what's around me, and that's what like I'm sharing. But it's not a Leica-only club by far. And I think 
we work hard to, or we do provide a service service to folks that have this like Leica snobbery thing to see who actually owns the Leicas and hold them in person and be like, oh, okay. They're not all like, you know, this way, mm-hmm. you know, they actually shoot their stuff and, um, and they've sold a bunch of stuff to get to the point and they've saved up to get their M6 and they've made sacrifices and they're, you know, they're struggling just like I am. They just made different choices with their money, I'd say, or invested yeah. in different things. Right. So, I don't know. That answers your question, but no, that that totally answers. I it. get it's it. Just, I get it. <laughs> it. Well, it's just an interesting thing because there's that, like, you know, sort of guy with camera trope that also usually is like guy with like a camera trope, and um, yeah, I, I I've heard it from like yeah, it, it events sometimes people um, thinking it's just like the like a club kind of thing. So I was curious about that. It's not. Uh, it doesn't help that like I as one of the founders I love like, uh, and I've, hmm. I actually didn't care for like in the beginning. Like I said, I had a Sony NX six. I've had the NX five, all these little micro, you know, these, um, mirrorless cameras, you know, the a seven S, which was like the bread and butter with that knockdown that you have lens. And I shot so like years of it. And then Pacholo actually, we can blame Pacholo probably. He was a Leica guy. He brought the Leicas and, and, and he spent the money. And, and when I first picked up his N9 monochrome, um, or the first monochrome, I guess is what it's called, um, I was so like confused that you would shoot, choose to choose, choose a rangefinder over like my A7S, which like live view and this is what you see is what you get kind of photography. And his was like, no you line up these patches and like whatever's lined up is within focus and your exposure is like manual or automatic. But I mean, it's a very different way of shooting. And I, I like disregarded it at first. I was like, here, you can take your camera back. Um, it took, so I definitely was won over by like, uh, in the way of shooting, um, just by like being exposed to it and like being open-minded about it yeah. and realizing getting my first like rangefinder and realizing how it changed the way I shot and I documented my family, which is mostly what I do. And that kind of just like snowballed, I guess you could say. Yeah. I never really understood the whole Leica thing until my friend loaned me his M3 and I appreciate him. I appreciated him doing it. It Yeah. It was an M3 double stroke, beautiful camera. Um, But like I'd already loved range finders. Like I've got, I've had a couple of Zorkies. Uh, I got a Texas Leica that I absolutely adore. So I love range finders. And I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. Like Leica is just really expensive range finder. But then I used it and I was like, fuck, this is nice. Like, I, it's yeah. yeah, I'm like, I just, I understand this now. And fuck, now I want to like spend all this money on one. Um, Maybe one yeah. day I'm still paying a Deerdorf off, so that it'll be a while before um, <laughs> yeah. I move into a Leica. Well, and you can move into Leica with a CL, right? You can move into Leica with a Mini Lux. Well, Mini Lux has gone up too, uh, but I mean that's not Leica's fault. That there's this like secondary market that's really strong with the brand and a lot yeah. of like allegiance and advocates for it. But it's honestly because it works. Like I can tell you from a digital perspective, I've owned the Lumix S1, the S1R, okay? And they're basically, people will compare them to like the SL, I mean, SL2, SL2S. Like they kind of 
Like you expect it to be the same camera as the Lumix and the Leica to be the same, but but when you actually own both cameras, you realize like no 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 no. Like I think they share a lot of technology, but I had a lot of firmware issues with my Lumix cameras, with all of them. Um, I had my LCD screen where like the cursor was jamming itself in a corner, and I couldn't overcome it. I couldn't move the cursor to the middle or anywhere I wanted. Like it just was like the LCD screen had an issue. And that happened on three cameras. I had a ca- issue with EVF. And then I move over to like SL2S. Nothing. Like amazing. Just works great. Just like my original SL. Like I didn't have any glitches or issues. But I had those with, with the other cameras, right? So mm-hmm. I could kind of see like if you're doing, uh, like I did a wedding and I literally had to take the battery out, reset it, and I'm still having an issue. And I'm, in a, I'm doing a wedding, which I don't usually shoot. So I was stressing out already, and then I have my gear failing me, you know? And yet, if I would have had the SL2 version of it, it would have been fine, and I wouldn't have had that stress. So what is that worth to you, you know? You could, you could probably put a number to it, like, uh, I'll deal with this for, you know, a certain amount, but it, it could also be kind of worth, like, you know, um, invaluable, or <laughs> not invaluable, but, like, priceless to have your gear just work when you need it to. No, that invaluable, I think, is the right word for everything. Is that it? Thing. Okay, it's invaluable like, sounds like it's not valuable, but yeah. No, it's very, very valuable. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, like you, you can't function without it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that you, makes sense. And you mentioned the M3, and if you think about the history of Leica stuff, it went from the 3G. So you're familiar with like the Oscar Barnett cameras, like the 3S, yeah. the 3G, to the M3. And that jump, I think, is not talked about enough. That's such a huge leap in like loading the camera, the ease of use. That M3 is basically what every other camera since then was, like M4, M6, they're basically an M3. Okay, sure, different frame lines and stuff. Okay, you added a meter, but that's it. It's like the same, same size, same build, or actually the M3 is better built than like, you know, the M6, not the brand new M6, but the one before. Um, so that's kind of, a, to me, kind of an, I have an M3 and I disregarded it before. And then I played with a friend of mine and he was selling it and I'm like, God damn it. Why did I pick this up? Like, it's actually, it felt amazing. It felt so smooth. It was the right price. And, um, it's one of my favorite cameras now, the M3 and I have an M3 and M7. And I think I, I capture both, you know, a really modern rangefinder, and I capture like the essence of a rangefinder. Mere, you know, meterless and like made out of brass and like you know, 1950s build. Mm-hmm. And then the M7 was like made out of brass, but like in, with you know aperture priority and meter and all the DX coding, you know, DX reading stuff. So kind of like the two, to me, pinnacles in, in my opinion. Yeah, with, um, with the M3, I like the double stroke a lot. Like if I was yeah. if I was ever gonna get one, I'd I'd want to find a double stroke. It, well, why is that actually? I'm curious. I don't know. Just something about the feel of like the two rapid uh, movements versus like one big long one. Yeah. Because like you know okay. with the single stroke, you have that like fucking gnarly long um, advance arm on it. Um, yeah. And just also like it's something I like from the Texas Leica, and so it was just like. Because the M3 did that, I was like, I kind of dig this too. Um, and the and, build, uh, actually, the 10F, the 10F does that too, right? Yeah, the 10F half frame. Yeah, that one yeah. does that too. Um, yeah. And 
I, I really like I, I've seriously thought about getting an M3 but then I also wanted to try and find something so that I could use like 35 mil frame lines without goggles and mm-hmm. but I don't really like the M2 very much why don't you like the M2? I don't know it just seems like chintzy <laughs> compared to the M3 yeah yeah like I, I'm I agree with you, but I actually can't really explain it either. I don't know. I just, if you have an M3 and you have an M2, I think it's really just comes out to the counter window. Yeah. That it like makes it look stiff. cheap. Yeah. Like yeah. how much more would it have really cost them to just include the, the actual window versus the little things that are reset manually or whatever. Cause that was what I always pissed me off with Barnox is like the fucking dial thing. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, ah, let's just bring the, the dial back on the M2. Cause you know, we probably have a bunch. Maybe they had a bunch of dials left. Like, you know, maybe May, that's it. Maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> who knows? But they, they yeah. are nice cameras, and I understand why people in, enjoy them. Like, they work really well. And, I, like, a, a lot of my favorite photographers um, shoot, like, M4s, M6s, M3s. And I can see why. Because, like, they just they work well. And, like, Mike Padua just put out a really good... Um, I think it was like a real or like YouTube sunny short 16 or something. One or the hyper focus. Well, there's the sunny 16 one, but then there's the zone focus one. Zone focus one. Yeah. yeah. And I never really mm-hmm. understood that completely well until he laid it out there. I'm like, Oh fuck. It's so simple. Thanks Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike's amazing. I love Mike. Yeah. Mike's great. Uh, yeah. He gave us a bunch of photo memos to give away at, uh, in Berlin. So I took like a good seven, <laughs> felt like seven or eight pounds of, photo memos to give away to the, the people at, at Westline when I went to the like event. Nice. Um, but me and Taki did a good job getting to the right people and, and, you know, and people that appreciated it. But Mike's a great person. And yeah, actually I don't shoot street. Like I just suck. I don't see what people see. Mm. I just don't like, I'm amazed at street photographers, you know, um, Coachella for the founder, like one of the founders, he's, he's definitely a really good street photographer and just documentary and that thing. I, I get the documenting your family stuff, but I just don't. I don't do a good job with like street photography. And when I was in on this trip, I did more of it with Take as like a, a tourist. I, I could do that. You know what I mean? And I did a lot of this. I was focusing with the 28 um, F2 Ultra, the new one from Pointlander. And that one is just amazing. And, you know, put an F8, F11, and just, like, zone focus, and I got really good results. I think really good results. So, I don't, I don't usually shoot that way. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, there were also a couple comments here from, uh, there's oh, one from NK Winston said, Hi, lady here. I definitely come to L.A., or I definitely come L.A.-based. Things are easier to connect with, and I have more things in common. And then there's another one here. SPS Pick said, Lady Beers and Cameras fan here. And she likes to come down to uh, San Diego, but also likes the LA events. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, on, on that question, like, is there anything that you guys have, have thought or tried to put together to uh, make events more appealing or more inclusive to, uh, to women or like non-binary folks? Um. So I think I have discussed this. It's not a, not the issue or this this characterization of BNC being like men only or mostly men. 
with the folks that come regularly. And mm-hmm. we kind of just, we like to keep it simple, to be honest with you. So, you know, you there are events and meetups that are, you know, they bring models out and lighting and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's events that are hosted by camera stores and they, you know, Sammy's or something, you know. Ours is very, like, because of this not being my full-time job and all the leads working for free and just wanting to do it because they love the community aspect of it, we got to keep it simple. And it's like we're meeting at a brewery or at a bar and the general consensus is, like, we're going to, people will bring their cool stuff with them and you're going to shoot photos and talk about cameras and that's it. So we don't necessarily do anything on purpose to exclude women mm-hmm. because women can bring their cameras and they do. We, we do get, you know, Starla, she was just here. She's one of the OGs and she was here. She moved away yeah. and we had a special meetup up just on a Sunday because she was in town. Um, so we definitely like aren't, like, you know, I have two daughters and I'm married. Like it's not against women at all, but at the same time, it's like, this is the simple ingredients of it. It's, we're all going to meet up at a brewery basically. And we're all just going to bring your gear and shoot and talk cameras. And if that appeals to you, whether you're a woman, male, non-binary, they, them, they, whatever you want to say, you know, unicorn, then cool come. And we do get a lot of people that come by themselves. And, and like, we try to do a job of like, saying, hey, you're a new face, and then somebody coming in, like, introducing themselves and saying, what do you shoot, what do you like to shoot, um, what are you having, type of thing. Um, as far as trying to bring in more females, um, I, I do a little bit. I try that with my having photos of my wife up because she shoots photos and trying to share her story a little bit more. Um, totally open to suggestions. If you have any suggestions that as in you, Merlin, if you have anything yeah. that we can do differently. We're not like a feature page, though. So that's the thing, right? We're not necessarily like going, you know, posting about different... We can maybe do some of that. Maybe that would help. Um, but, but, yeah, I don't know. We're kind of at a loss because we're very simple ingredients and we just want to keep it simple. So if we can work around that to bring in different people, that works. Um, open to do it for sure. Yeah, like, I, I, I didn't ask the question from a, a place of, like, you know, it, this is boys only club, no girls allowed kind of thing. But it was just more yeah. of, like, a, you know, um, inclusivity and all of that are, are becoming yeah. more frequent topics in, in the last few years, um, given things. And so I was just curious because, like, the photography world is a very, like, male-dominated world, um, just as it has been for a really long time. And it is really cool, though, to start seeing more um, female and non-binary creatives doing really awesome things because it's it's cool to see less of the male gaze on on the grams than than there has been before. Um, so I was just curious, like you know, if, if you guys were thinking of anything to uh, to like you know sort of not necessarily specific, but to just sort of like throw in the mix to. You know, welcome more um, diversity in, into uh, in, into the group uh, to just like make people feel comfortable. Because I think in other places that I, I've worked on, where we're trying to like build community and build groups, um, yeah, there's always a discomfort from um, you know, 
non-cis male people and also people of color where like you know if, if they see a group that has a lot of like cis males and uh a lot of uh you know you know white people <laughs> there's like a lot of discomfort around that and so it's like I, i've been on committees where it's like how do we make this more comfortable and it's like, yeah you know well, San Diego, actually, we have a huge, um, you know, Filipino community and Japanese and um, a lot of the folks that come to the meetups are actually that, like, I've done little one-off meetups where I just want to talk to certain groups of people and it's not on purpose, but just the people I invite to ask questions to kind of get their input. I'm like, oh, I'm the only, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm like, I'm the only <laughs> Latino here and I don't even think of it that way. Yeah. Um, my friends from like high school and, and middle school that I'm still in contact with and, and whatnot, they, you know, they joke like, oh, you're going to go uh, hang out with your Filipino friends. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, beers and cameras. It's all like Filipinos. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I guess. Like, I just don't even, I don't, it's not that I don't see ethnicity. Um, I just don't, I just see them as a photographer and, and part of the community. I just don't even care. Um, so we don't have the problem of like too many white males that if that's a problem to even say, you know, that's not our, our demographic in San Diego. We have a, a pretty good mix. We just don't have a lot of females that come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I would love and open to their input. If, if there's ones that want to, you know, DM me and send me like what we can do differently or something. Definitely want to be inclusive. Um, we don't try to get too political either. Like, even um, and, and I think we need to keep it that way just because you know we're not like a political Instagram or a community we're just photographers that want to meet other photographers at a brewery and you know I don't know that's it so fo- photo tango said uh, can you find a space for beers and camera people to exhibit their photos every so often <laughs> taking the photography to a final stage that could yeah. actually be an interesting way also to encourage um you know more women there where you could do like maybe like a you know um women of beers and cameras photo exhibition or something like that yeah no that's a good we've done exhibitions before actually where i'm at um hard to see but if you look across the street which is probably not going to work well there's a uh, blue foot smoking goat i'm at this modern time brewery uh at that next to Smoke and Go where I kind of pointed at is Bluefoot and that's a bar where we had a photo exhibition years ago actually and it was amazing and we had a photo exhibition at Tiger Tiger in North Park in San Diego oh your audio just dropped off and I, I agree I think the photo exhibition bring your prints is like a huge thing and people if organized properly and with enough um, you know like uh, um, just like planning time for people to choose a photo and get it printed it works really well we're actually doing something with with Leica uh, Leica gallery in LA oh cool so yeah that's coming up in February so which reminds me I gotta reach out to Paris there it is a Leica event, but you don't have to be Leica. It doesn't have to be shot on a Leica, but we're actually inviting people. We're going to invite people to bring prints to that. And then we're going to um, have like some folks choose a print and then we're going to auction it off or maybe auction off quite a few of the prints for like a, um, like a, um, not a charity, but like a medical, um, we're trying to do like a Galentine day, like a friendship kind of like event. Okay. 
Um, so that's actually coming up. Same oh. with women and female um, influencers or like YouTubers or people in the in the community to invite. Like we did a Joshua Tree event last year, and we're gonna do a second one. And I'm probably too early to be talking about this, but that's in the works again. And that's we're cool. super stoked to do stuff like that. So I think with our well planned events, we do definitely take that into consideration. It's with the weekly events that are like, or biweekly or every three weeks events. That's just like, you know, very casual, come wherever you want. Um, but yeah, we definitely want to do more print stuff and invite people to share the work. That's awesome. Yeah. You, you should come down. You got to come down for the, I, I definitely will. I, uh, like the, the Joshua tree one, I found out about it too late. Um, I, I that was a last minute one and it okay. ended up being incredible. This one we're going to plan a little bit better. So we'll give you a heads up. Yeah, that'd be great. Cause I've, I've never been to Joshua tree. I drove past it. Um, when I took my vacation to drive to Policon, um, a couple yeah. of weeks ago and yeah. I, I thought about going, but I just, I didn't have enough time. I did like over 8,000 kilometers and 8,000 miles in two weeks. So it was a lot of driving. That's a lot of driving. I've driven my van up to Bend, Oregon and with my family and that felt like forever. Yeah. So that would have been even further. So I get it really far. Um, but you were in San Diego kind of recently for the N- NLPU, right? Uh, PLNU. Point Loma, I'm sorry, PLNU in North, North uh, Point Loma Nazarene. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I was trying to make it down for Jason's opening. Um, okay. I missed it by like an hour and a half, two hours because I slept, no well, I slept in in Albuquerque. I woke up two hours later than I was supposed to and then was like, fuck. And so like, I tried to rush as quick as I could from Albuquerque to San Diego, yeah. uh, which is the long way to San Diego. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I made it for dinner though. And it was cool. I got to meet the, uh, Dean and um, uh, the Davids and uh, Lael that run the photo program at PLNU. And it's a beautiful campus. Like, if you're mm-hmm. thinking of taking a photography program in San Diego, check out PLNU. Um, yeah. The teachers seem really rad. Uh, they're still doing a film program there, so they've got like a full dark room. And uh, they also have a beautiful gallery space there. Um, yeah. the, the Keller Gallery is a really cool gallery. It's actually, so I work for the Department of Defense and we work for NAVWAR. So we have offices in Old Town, San Diego, which you might be familiar with. We also have a uh, campus and space over by uh, Lemon Nazarene. So some of our offices literally look over the same cliff that they look over. So I'm really familiar with that area. And it's, yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, I agree oh, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, yeah. I, the morning that I was there was really foggy. Uh, but even with yeah. the fog, it, it still looked really cool. Um, and then we went to Bali high for dinner, uh, the, the opening night. Um, and it was kind of funny cause like, we're just all kind of talking. And then all of a sudden there was like this earth shattering noise and the building shook. And like, you know, I thought I was going to shit my pants and Jason's wife is like, is that an earthquake? And (laughs) someone's like, nah, that's just a jet fighter taking off. And yeah. Someone else is like America. <laughs> they're just uh, like, welcome. yeah, that's yeah, there's this beautiful view of the bay, but also right, right across from the restaurant is the North uh, Island. Yeah. 
And so, you know, we, we had this really lovely dinner um, at Bali High that was accentuated with a few jet fighters taking off. And, um, hey, they shot, I think they filmed a little bit of Top Gun there, too. They did actually film some Top yeah, it was interesting. The the military presence in San Diego was interesting because I I never that was my first time in San Diego, um, and um, you should have told me like you're so close. I mean, <laughs> like so close. I get it. I get it. It was but, it was a crazy time. trip, man. Um, like it was like I wanted to pop into mm-hmm. the dark room to uh, yeah to uh, yeah into San Clemente to see Phil and in the gang there. Um, I ended up spending too much time with Grant in uh, in Encinitas, nice. uh, but it was nice to catch up with Grant. He's actually yeah. got a really cool Polaroid thing going on. Um, where is it here? This is. Tell me, tell me. Yeah, let me look it up because he he messaged me about it, and I was like, "Well, fuck, I can't get down there in time for it. There's no good Grant, flights." But it's like a 20 by 24 um, Polaroid exhibit of photographers. So it's it's almost like what Dave Sinodar did in his book, but this was for 20 by 24s. Um, where is it here? Yeah, so November that. November 5th from 4 to 7, at the Photographer's Eye Gallery. Um, Saturday? Yeah, next Saturday. They're doing an open reception for Tim's show behind photographs, and they have multiple 20 by 24 Polaroids of uh, photographer legends that Tim shot with their iconic photos and his massive 20 by 24 gallery. Um, it's at 326 East Grand Ave Escondido, California. Escondido, yeah. And... It's cool looking. Like um, he took these huge photos of, like, this is this is Grant. Yeah, that's holding huge. his his huge uh, uh, photo on a twenty by twenty four. And Grant's eight feet tall, so that's a big, that's a big Grant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Grant's yeah. eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah. He's cool. No, he's cool. He when he comes to meet up, and it's usually for an interview, he might he would show up there. Um, always a cool guy. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Like you know, I I met him because of the dark room lab thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when they did that film padea. Yeah. So the Joshua Tree stuff kind of has like um, not replaced the film padea, but that's kind of the same. Um, yeah, the same kind of ethos, the same kind of community coming together. So. Yeah. You got to come out to the next one and we'll get Grant come out hopefully. Oh, actually I invited Grant, but it was right after COVID. Right. So mm. everybody has their, you know, personal, like, you know, how comfortable they feel for certain things. So some people that we invited just weren't still feeling comfortable yet. He's, he's still being pretty cautious, which yeah. you know, I, I don't blame him cause we're not out of the woods yet. And yeah, you know, there's weird shit happening all the time in different news. I'm just trying not to watch the news as much. The news. <laughs> Between nuclear war and COVID coming back, and I don't know, eight dollars for Twitter, whatever's going on with the Twitter thing. Yeah, you know, someone now thinks that Elon Musk is like, you know, the front man for Satan. It's cool. Best timeline ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
but definitely I saw that you were, you know, in San Diego kind of after the fact, obviously. And I was like, ah, you're so close. Um, next time. Well, we'll have you, we got, you got to come for Joshua Tree. We got to make that happen. Definitely. I, I would love to cause, um, Joshua cool. Tree and the Salton Sea were two places I wanted to check out, but didn't get a chance to check out yeah. on, on this trip. So yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen and we'll definitely get it. I'll definitely get an invite in. Um, that's one cool thing about the Leica trip is getting like to meet these folks. And now I can invite to these events. And I think they'll like reply to me, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I know Juan, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not I'll a stranger anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that. So like Joe Greer meeting him in person and Maddie. Whoa. Like so nice. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Joe Greer being there was, um, I suspected it because I actually did a little bit of sleuthing. I was like, we didn't get a list of who's going to show up at the event. But I told Taki, I'm like, you know what? He's not showing up to his, like, opening night in Boston. And I looked at the dates, and I was like, this means he's going to be in, at Westlark <laughs> for the opening night for his Boston show. But he is showing up later, and I'm like, that totally makes sense. I'm like, I bet you he's going to be at Westlark. And he was, you know, with his wife. And um, just, like, super sweet, super cool people to talk to. Just, like, everybody is, like, super chill. So I told him, actually, pre, I told him, hey, we're having another Joshua Tree event. We got to come out. And I think he hopefully crossed my fingers to also come out and a uh, bunch of other people come out. So. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, again, kind of like that little piece that we had in at Leica. It's like communing with folks. It's like no, no necessary, like no itinerary. We're not there to like show each other up or like do anything. We're just hanging out and being taken on, on along on this ride. So in Joshua Tree, we're like, Hanging out, take you know we're we're going to bed, eating, you know, making s'mores, having blizzies or whatever we had last year, hot dogs or whatever spicy kielbasa, um, and just waiting on the next like event where we meet up with more of the community, and it was really cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, come out. I will. Let, let me know ahead of time, and I appreciate you like spending some time uh, while you're doing your your team event tonight. Yeah, so yeah, my event, they're all inside. Yeah, I should probably (laughs) let you get back to you. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. It was was great to talk to you. And um, I did want to add one last thing. All right. This is kind of like a new thing, but we're developing a marketplace. Okay. That's kind of cool and different than anything out there. So I I don't know if you caught it on Twitter and you just saw Bowie. And it's um we're making transactions on the using the blockchain. Okay. And we're selling uh cool collectible items from like reputable folks that we already buy stuff from. Like Camera West is gonna be doing it. Um and the way we're we're getting like unique items from them and then we're pairing it with unique imagery from folks like Trev Lee is gonna be supplying some never release photos and some other I hope to talk to a ton of other people, um, yourself included. And have like, we're we're making almost like pretty receipts of it using their imagery. As oh, cool. This is like the whole. I don't want to be that guy that talks about crypto, you know, the crypto bro or something. Wait, but wait, just so you you need some music for it. So it's just like, it's the crypto time with Juan. Juan's going to tell you about this new marketplace powered by crypto technology with renowned people behind it selling you products that you want at whatever crypto prices are today. Take it, Juan. <laughs> 
so we've we've it's been in the works for like well over a year maybe two um my brother is a crypto person actually so he's the one to talk about it but um yeah and then we we allow something very cool so when you purchase something okay like it's an m6 and it's a grant Britton unreleased photo right like the frame before the one that made the cover of something Mm -hmm. get it that nft is minted along with all these other photos of this M6. We shot with an M6, so a lot of it's stuff. And this M6 is sourced by Camera West or KUH or something. So you're on our site, and you're like, God, this is like a beautiful M6. It has this beautiful one-off photo from Grand Britain, right? I can buy it. This is the price, and it's um, in crypto, and we're actually we're making a change to allow uh, credit card payments. Anyways, okay. But then once, once it's in your account, you have an option to like, it doesn't default to actually getting mailed to you. So that's not the default setting. So when you buy it, we're not mailing it off to you yet. You actually have to go in and right click on your NFT and say ship to me or burn or boo or whatever. Um, and we'll ship it to you. But the reason we do that is because then it allows you to um, choose when you get the item, A, but also flip it. Does this make any sense? So let's say there's really cool Hasselblad that, you know, has a story and whatever. And that's, you know, the, the, so like go next to Grand Britain thing. Grand Britain image, M6. You buy it. You already have an M6. You have, you're, you've invested some money in crypto or whatever. And you're like, I want to get out of, you know, like Doge. And I want to put some of that money into something like film cameras. As we all know, they've all pretty much increased in value. So you can reinvest some of that money into that. And then, but you're like, I actually don't need it at home. It comes from Camera West. I know it's a good camera. I've seen the photos of it. I actually just kind of want it to flip or to resell later or to um, just have as part of my collection, part of my like um, investment portfolio, if you will. But we're going to be selling watches, cameras, and gems at first in this way. And then we're going to have a metaverse store eventually. So this is, sorry, I'm whatever, but eventually you walk in with your air goggles and you, you, you go in our metaverse store and you pick out this M6 and then you're going to get airdrop a 3D version of your M6 that's tied to your physical one that you own. So you as a as your avatar can literally hold your 3D M6 right? and we you take your goggles off and you go to have dinner with your family you're like, I actually own this M6 that I, I have in this virtual world that comes from Lancaster, San Francisco or Camera West and that, like, they haven't sent to me yet, but I can have it sent to me, you know, next day air type of thing. So extrapolate that how you will, but that, mm-hmm. that's what we've actually created. Um, and we're trying to market that soon, and we've created a token, too, and blah, blah, blah. I can go, I can go on for days, but that's kind of actually a lot of, like, our focus for BNC has actually been on, because it's run by such a small group, um, is that marketplace. Doing something different for the community, and, and eBay has, like, really sucked because you get yeah. charged. I mean, I sold a camera for 5,000 bucks on eBay and I, I made 4,100 out of the $5,000 and it like was like painful. Am like, you kidding me? And the person paid tax on top. So they paid 5,400. I made 4,100. It just, you know what I mean? It just drives me crazy. Yeah. It's messed up. I yeah. think the so biggest question is that. though, for that virtual Leica, will you be able to buy portrait for it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's its own NFT at like 18 bucks a roll, right? So, Well, I mean, yeah. Kodak tried to get in the NFT game, so maybe you got to get them back in on it so you can sell some virtual I, portrait for all these virtual Leicas that are going to be floating around the well, metaverse. True. 
the thing is we're doing like a virtual tying this like digital NFT digital token to a physical asset, which is mm. not it's that, that, that idea isn't new, but we've actually, so the secret is, or not the secret, but we actually have this marketplace already done. Like it was hidden in under maintenance page, but it works. And me and my brother had like sold each other's stuff. So it's kind of cool. I think there's a lot of possibility there. And I think it's, um, if you can go to one page to buy from, from retro photo, York, KEH, um, you know, whoever you want to put into this mix of reputable dealers and you can like price different cameras and then you can also, you're going to be pulled. Your heart's going to be pulled because we're going to be telling the story like this camera comes with this NFT art from a certain photographer that you might be into. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's like value there too. So it's, it's going to be, I think it's kind of exciting. Um, we're very excited about it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll have to rope you in. I can talk to you later about it if you're interested at all. Yeah, definitely. But Hit me up. Kind of, I'd like to hear cool. more about it. It does yeah. sound interesting. Yeah, interesting at least. Something yeah. different for the community. I, I have to admit that I'm I'm very um, not hip with the blockchain. Um, I, yeah. I, I remember me friends telling me. Yeah, like friends like fucking 10 years ago plus were like, oh, you got to get a, this Bitcoin miner and this, uh, check out my mining rig in my basement. And I'm like, whatever, nerd. And then they yeah. made like huge bank. And I'm like, fuck. Should have listened to these guys. <laughs> Dude, I feel your pain. My, my brother is the guy who's invested. And I saw his his phone. He was on his phone a lot over Christmas or something. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just looking over my portfolio. And I'm like, and I saw a number and I was like, holy shit, what does that mean? He's like, well, that's how much. Actually, he's like, no, I actually have more than this. I'm like, that's how much you have. Like, that's how much your, your portfolio is worth. And, uh, and it actually bothered me for like, just three days. I'm like, how did you make so much money off of this and not like let me know? But he was into this, like you're saying, like years ago, right? When he used to bug me about it as we're going out with friends and doing other stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But he was right, you know, like potentially. Right now, there's a slump, but it's going to come back, I think. Um, but yeah, he's got a portfolio, and he's my expert. You know, I don't know anything about crypto. I know from what he's taught me, but everything I know, I'm just kind of leveraging more of my relationships with vendors and stuff. That makes and in sense. the industry to kind of, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's my little rice bowl. And he's, he's actually can talk to crypto talk. Um, and then my father-in-law is an investor and he just thinks everything's fun and great and just like sees potential. So he's like, I want to do this and I want to help you guys make it happen. So yeah, we'll that's see cool, where it man. goes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down to, uh, to learn more about it. Hit me up sometime. For sure. I will do that. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for hanging out with me. Uh, I should let you get back to your, your team there. They're probably wondering They're still here. where the yeah. boss man's at. <laughs> but yeah, yeah th- thank you so much. Dude, no, thank, thank you for hanging out. I appreciate it. And uh, you have any uh, last comments to say to everyone before uh, we sign off here? I appreciate what you're doing, actually. I appreciate this podcast. I appreciate all the work you're putting into it. Uh, I totally appreciate, you know, I know what it's like to do something and and have your heart, you know, put your heart into it and you're doing that. And so it's very, um, evident and keep, keep at it, man. Thanks, very man. cool. Definitely. I will see you in Joshua tree though. Yes. Let me know about that. Cause I would love to come to Joshua tree. Okay. So. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, I'm going to let Mr. Mocha walk us out here. And, uh, next week I'm going to have, uh, Iris Sagata with us. Uh, we tried to get her on, 
a little while back. Uh, she's a photographer from New York, so uh, she's finally going to uh, be joining us on the chat here. And uh, very cool. Yeah. You know, other than that, uh, stay safe out there. Try and have fun and don't be dicks to each other. You know. <laughs> And I hope all of you guys have a great weekend. All right. Take care, man. Later, man. Bye-bye.